Welcome to episode 50 of the Actual Astronomy Podcast, your guide to observing the night sky. I'm Chris, and joining me is Shane, and we are two amateur astronomers, and that means we do astronomy just for the love of it. We do not get paid to do this, do we, Shane? This is not our profession. We have day jobs. <laughs> yes, surprise, surprise. And yeah, uh, yeah we are just doing this uh, strictly for the fun and started doing this during the, the pandemic, but uh, you know, then, uh, you know, the lockdown, but have continued on since that time passed. Uh, and uh, yeah, I've kind of been maybe observing a little bit more because of uh, our podcast as well. I don't know about you. Yeah, it's, it's definitely kind of inspired me a bit more to, uh, to get out there and look. Um, you know, if there was a night where maybe I was just being lazy and didn't feel like hauling out the gear in the past, I probably would have just sat on the couch and watched TV. But um, this has been really good motivation and I've really enjoyed um, the observing. Like it, it's been a pretty good year so far, actually, for backyard observing because the planets have been out. Yeah. Um, and at least in our neck of the woods here, um, we've had a number of clear nights, uh, you know, so <laughs> you and I have both taken advantage of it and, and it's been great. Yeah. And this is episode 50. Can you believe it? Yeah, that's crazy, man. I wasn't sure where this thing would go when we started in <laughs> April, but here we are. Um, yeah, this is great. This is awesome. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Yeah, I thought, uh, you know, I didn't really have any sort of broad goal in mind. I thought, boy, if we reach two dozen episodes, um, that would be about twice what we did before, I think, when we, we were first doing this eight or 10 years ago. So, uh, you know, we're exponentially... Uh, Larger than that now. Yeah. And we, you know, we still have stuff to talk about. So that's, that's good too. <laughs> yeah. And uh, hey, I'm going to be on Access Cable 4 tomorrow. <laughs> oh, jeez. Talking about, they, they asked me to talk about the uh, Mars retrograde. Wow. Um, so I think, so what, I, what, like, what is that the local chat, like the local content channel? Yes. Yeah. Okay. For, for, for the Eastern, Southeastern side of Regina. So <laughs> it's a list. So, I think it has about a 5,000 person listenership or watcher viewership or whatever. So what, what show is that? Like what, what's the name of it? I think it's called talk of the town. And I actually oh. think um, they believe maybe I'm an astrologer. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I actually wasn't going to do it until I found that out. And I was like, oh, this is going to be interesting. <laughs> so, yeah, well, you know, I might have to subscribe to Access just to watch this thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So this has happened to me on two or three other occasions where they thought that I was an astrologer and asked me to come and talk about a planet or planets or something. Um, like I, I also had one when the uh, we had the Venus um, mm -hmm. The transit of Venus. Yep. I, I was I was uh, asked to do an interview by by a local media outlet who thought that I was an astrologer, and they were incredibly disappointed. It was it was a lot of fun on my side of the fence um, because um, they were asking like you know like you know well what does it mean for somebody's love life? And I'm like, well, really nothing, <laughs> unless your partner's really into astronomy too. And they're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's interesting, right? I think a lot of people uh, almost use those synonymously, you know, astronomer and astrologer. Um, I did an interview for a local radio station a couple of years ago around the supermoon. And mm. um, they asked how I should be introduced. And they said, would it be okay if we said Shane, a local astrologer? 
And I said, well, actually, no, not that. Can you just say Shane, a local amateur astronomer? Yeah. And uh, they were a little like, what do you mean? You know, yeah. what, what's the difference? And anyway, so a little bit of education there. And then uh, and, and they understood it and introduced me properly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but, but this, they were looking to talk about the Mars retrograde, which I explained last week. And, uh, and, and it's, it's a little bit of an obscure thing, a retrograde, as far as um, astronomical observations go, watching uh, Mars kind of reverse direction as, as we pass by it on the inside of, of our planetary orbit around the sun. Um, as far as, an, you know, as, as a visual observing phenomena goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's what made me think, because I believe that, that Mars retrograde means something completely different. And this is a big event in astrology. Oh, yeah. I think there is something about retrograde of definitely the planets and um, its impact on, you know, energies and things like that. Yeah. So, uh, so anyhow, well, I know my energy is lower during the Mars opposition because I stay up all night. (laughs) (laughs) It has a direct impact on you. Yeah, it it does. It does. But yeah, uh, yeah, and actually I'll I'll use that tomorrow. But uh, yeah, so what I'm going to do is when they start asking me about it, I'm going to actually explain the retrograde because I did that last week on the podcast. I think it was okay. And, uh, And then I think they'll just be like, like blank stares, right? What, what language is this guy speaking? <laughs> yeah. Wait, what? You know? Yeah. So anyway, I look forward to that. So yeah. we'll see. Yeah, so uh, our plans this uh, past week or weekend, they get scuttled a bit because yeah. of this smoky haze, eh? Yeah. yeah. We, we were hoping to go down to our favorite dark sky spot in the, well, I think for me anyway, the world, um, but certainly within the province, um, Grasslands National Park. Yeah. And we were going to do, well, at least one night of observing, maybe two. Um, mm-hmm. But while the skies were clear, and actually I think the conditions, like seeing conditions were pretty decent Friday night. Um, yep. The smoke from the, you know, tragic fires, uh, the wildfires in the eastern U.S., uh, some of that smoke has drifted really across the whole continent. It just happens that we're kind of on the northern edge of that belt of smoke. Um, and it just really wasn't worth it. Like Saturday, or, uh, Friday, when I was thinking of, of heading down, even in our city, which is like 300 kilometers away, um, Geez, like it, you could smell the smoke. It was just thick. Uh, you know, it was terrible for astronomy. It just wasn't worth going down there. Yeah. And I think, I think a lot of this is from the fires in California uh, yep. as well. But oh, I said Eastern US. I meant Western. Yeah. Yeah. My bad. Yeah. There is, although I, th- I thought maybe I was looking on the map and there is uh, a fire to our um, Southeast as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and in Montana. And, yeah. Um, no, it's. I think it's either down near Estevan or just below Estevan. Anyway, oh, okay. it, it is to our southeast. So I think, you know, because I thought, oh, when we get the wind from the south or southeast, it will blow this out. And it's like, mm, maybe not. Mm-hmm. So I think that's why we're actually getting sort of smoke on, on the ground these days. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, unfortunate. Uh, you know, our, our problems of not observing are the, the least when thinking about those fires. Um, yeah. But uh, anyway, hopefully all of that sorts itself out here in the near future. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the lampshade is on fire, as they say. Yeah. Uh, all right. So did you talk, you, you're, 
getting a new refractor, but I think you shared that with me after the podcast last week. Uh, I think, well, I can't remember, um, the, 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 but <laughs> it's changed. So I accidentally purchased a, uh, a classic telescope last weekend. I think it was, mm-hmm. um, a, a Royal Astral, uh, Astro 76 millimeter refractor, uh, with a 1200 millimeter focal length. So this thing is gigantic. Wow. Um, and Royal Astro is one of the really good optic makers um, of yesteryear, you know, from the 60s and 70s. Uh, I think they made some stuff in the 50s too. Just renowned for really good quality and really good consistency. Yep. Um, so you and I and Mike were observing and I went to bed and I, I looked on this one auction site and saw this thing available. It was such a good price. I didn't want it, but I thought, you know, I'm a sucker for a deal. So I put in, I put in a low ball bid thinking there's no way I'll get it. Well, I wake up the next day and I won the auction. Yeah. Uh, so I, the, the, the telescope came with a mount and eyepieces and a case, like kind of like these old telescopes, you, you, you made one purchase and that's it. You got everything you ever needed. Yeah. Um, so I, I got this thing for $130 Canadian, which is exceptionally cheap like this thing is wow regularly sells probably for three to five hundred uh us dollars so um i was pleased with that however i knew shipping would be very um yeah you're gonna be uh, very hard to absorb at least yeah like shipping would probably be around three hundred dollars on top of that so because i really didn't need this telescope i i had uh buyer's remorse pretty quickly (laughs) (laughs) um however things worked out in my favor Um, This is the second time I think this has happened to me or third time on this site where I win an auction and I think the seller go like, you know, the, the, these sellers are in Japan and I think they see me living in the middle of Canada and they go, "Mm, no, thanks. I don't want to ship it that far. And they cancel the auction and they back out. So that's what happened with this telescope. Uh, The, the seller backed out. I received my money back. um, And I, you know, took a deep sigh of relief because now I don't have to worry about not oh, wow. just paying for that thing, but then hoping that when it shows up, it's still in one piece because that's quite a distance. And, mm-hmm. you know, a telescope can take a little bit of a beating, but, um, you know, depending on how well it's packaged, it, you know, it may be a different, a different beast when you receive it. Yeah. And that, I guess this is just, you know, because <laughs> we refer to the site frequently enough and people may wonder why don't, why don't we ever say what it is? And, uh, and I think this is like one reason why it's just, it's not a straightforward thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I don't know until, I don't know how much we really promote anything on here. Anyway, we, we talk obscurely about a lot of things and, uh, yeah, it is what it is. Yeah. We, we promote cloudy nights and, yep. and, and the, the astronomy plus telescope store for no credit. <laughs> yes, yes, that's right. <laughs> had a, had a chat with, uh, Stefan. So, you know, I've, I've purchased um, some equipment from him this year, uh, namely the uh, Takahashi 100 millimeter telescope, which, which is rather expensive and, and some other items. And, and the least expensive thing that I've purchased from him has been the thing that he's invested the most time in. It's, a, it's kind of a ridiculous thing. So I've been trying to get a power cable for my uh, AZ GTI mount that I also mm-hmm. purchased from Astronomy Plus. Mm-hmm. In, in a long sort of rigmarole kind of way. And uh, gee, uh, 
it looked like on the website from Skywatcher that not all the parts were included with the uh, with this uh, power adapter. It's just like the the plug and then the little transformer unit, I think it's called. But I couldn't see like the plug that plugs into the mount. So uh, he ordered me one and it came in and I said, he said, you still want it? I said, yeah, absolutely. I want it because, you know, I'm burning through batteries like a madman out here. And, uh, you know, uh, the plug is $75 and a, a pack of good batteries runs me about 15 or 16 bucks. So, hey, like uh, it's going to it's going to pay for itself here in in, uh, in the next year. But I want to make sure it has that connector plug because if I don't have that, what do I, like I said, I'm like, I'm out here in Regina. Like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to find, you know, a, a custom cable like that. Um, you know, and I, I wouldn't even know where to begin looking. And mm -hmm. the main reason for getting that anyway is that uh, I wanted to make sure I had all the Skywatcher parts. So he said, no, it didn't come with it. And so then he wrote Skywatcher and CC'd me and they were like, oh no, that cable comes with the mount, but there's no cables that come with the mount. There's like a, an audio cable. I'm not really sure what it's for, something to do with, I don't know what, maybe if you were using an auto guider or something, but you're not really hmm. supposed to do that for this mount anyway. But anyway, it doesn't come with the connecting cable. So it's, it's a little bit confusing in my mind. So then he went and found another cable that worked, but that cable's like 40 or $50. Well, this, you know, quickly this, this power cables, you know, uh, starting to run 120 or 30 bucks before shipping. And I'm kind of like, well, I can just buy the generic one offline. And, you know, so I don't, I don't know. I never wrote back again. So we'll see, uh, we'll see where that goes as far, as far as getting a plug. But uh, anyway, I was up early on, uh, what was it? Friday morning. Cause it took Friday off and uh, I was doing some observing and I thought I should get a, new tripod. I think that uh, I was kind of showing you my, my tripod woes when we were out the other night. Yeah. Yeah. You wanted something that could handle a little more capacity and, and probably a little bit better dampening qualities. Yeah. Like I think the, I'm using one of the Manfrotto's with uh, the geared center column. I forget which one it is, but there's, there's really only two or three and they're all pretty much the same. So if you're, if you look at any of the Manfrotto's with the geared center column, that's pretty much what I have. Um, you've got one that's similar and uh, works great with the 60. I have a little 80 millimeter um, wide field refractor works wonderful with that as well. But the hundred is just over. Like, I think, I think even your 76 would be, and I think you said this as well, it would be on the, on the verge. You're yeah, especially with the extender. Um, yeah. It's not pleasant um, without the extender. It's okay. Mm -hmm. So I just need to get a little bit more, dampening and uh i was looking at and we've talked about like the burlaback tripods which are they're beautiful and that would be that would be ideal but kind of did have a couple concerns i already own a really nice wooden tripod and i think i might try to get a new uh adapter plate for it and and mess around with adapting that the other thing is is that i was thinking um well i really want it to be stable so that uh, Skywatcher version would be very stable and Skywatcher have come out, sort of a funny one, they've come out with a three eight inch uh, threaded tripod um, version of like their EQ5 tripod and it's a 1.75 uh, inch diameter stainless steel lag on it and uh, has a weight capacity of 30 kilograms or about 65 pounds. Hmm. So That's I thought, good. 
Yeah, and it's and it's made for the AZ GTI. So I thought, ooh, I gotta maybe look at getting one of those. So I talked to Stefan, he talked to Skywatcher, and they said it wouldn't be available in North America till next year. And I checked some European sites and uh, most of them were saying more or less the same thing, but APM in Germany, they, uh, they still had one. They must've got like a demo version or something. And, uh, and uh, it was gonna be pretty much about the same cost as getting a, an EQ5 one here in Canada, plus an adapter shipped from, from Europe, or actually it was gonna be about 20 or 30 bucks uh, less expensive. So I thought, well, that's not too bad. I'll just go with that. And so I ordered it up from APM in, in Germany, which is a reputable uh, telescope store in Germany. I think it's the, the biggest, one of the biggest ones in Europe. Mm-hmm. And uh, you've ordered from them as well before, I think. Yep. Yeah, I think once or twice. Yeah. So I put my order in at 4 a.m. I get a call from my bank at 8 a.m. Fraud alert, right? Because... <laughs> ordering telescope parts in the middle of the night something's wrong here no that's what i was doing so i had to had to explain that to the bank um but anyway so uh i just found that like with the 100 millimeter yeah it was just a scooch too bouncy on the uh on the manfrotto when i was focusing and so this tripod it's a little bit unique because it has that uh, regular three inch uh like telephoto tripod uh, threaded adapter. And I thought, man, that's going to be useful because all my other mounts are, are the same. And I thought that might just be a little bit more useful. And then I also thought, well, I might be able to swap that out onto the head of my other mount and, you know, we'll see once I get it and, you know, we'll, we'll just have to have to go from there. So I'm really excited to get that. I don't know how long it's going to take, but yeah, well, you know what? The the versatility that you'll gain sounds pretty promising. You know, that you'll be able to use that with all of your gear. So yeah. hopefully it gets here soon. Yeah, and then like, it's also not that expensive. So if uh, mm-hmm. if it, I, I think it's going to work and, you know, who knows, maybe I'll just like leave it in the yard because it's just, you know, a couple hundred dollar mount, you know, and uh, just the tripod. And it should be fairly weatherproof. It's stainless steel, so. Yeah, like I, I left my stainless steel tripods in the observatory. Mm. Uh, they never came out. And it gets extremely humid in there every night. And like after a few years, I would get a couple little rust spots forming. Um, mm. But it it really stood up. Like if I, like I think leaving it outside is actually probably going to be better because it will be less humid <laughs> rather than like that observatory. It just collects the humidity and, and uh, never never really releases it. Yeah. Well, like I said, I was, I'm looking at getting an observing site, which is slowly progressing much slower than I want. And I was thinking like for that, for that spot, I can just take it and drop it out there. And I don't think it's going to be a high theft item. So, right. Right. You know, get a, get a bicycle lock and, and chain it to a cactus or something. <laughs> Secured. Yeah. My ADM, uh, clamp for the, uh, for the Skywatcher AZ GTI is in Regina. Nice. I'm not sure it's, it's, it's actually traveling more around Regina than I am these days because it's been here since Friday um, and is continuing. I, I, in my mind, it's just, there's, there's what's called the ring road around Regina. And in my mind, it's just like in the, it's just circling. Just in a van doing laps around the city. Yeah. 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 Just, just, <laughs> You know, and at some, you know, they're just like watching the house. All right, he's still there. We're going to wait until he's gone and then ring the yeah. bell. 
put the door knocker in and then he'll have to go to some obscure location to pick it up. <laughs> That's the yeah. way it goes. I forget yeah. the last thing I ordered, whatever it was like, you know, working from home here most of the time. And uh, yeah, I had to step out one day for an hour or something, go to an appointment, came back and yep, door knocker. <laughs> it was like, yeah. are you kidding me? Yeah. yeah. What are the chances? Murphy's so anyway, um, did you get any observing in this week? No, regrettably, I did not. Um, well, I thought you were out one night. I thought you were like Friday night or Thursday night or something. No, I really wanted to, but man, work just kicked my butt this week. And I yeah. uh, uh, just didn't have the energy or desire to, to really get out. And, and, you know, we had a couple cloudy nights actually this week. Um, and it just, yeah, it didn't work out for me. However, um, I did see a, a, like a recent Hubble image of Jupiter. Okay. And it confirmed uh, something that I've kind of felt all, all along this observing season that the great red spot really darkened up this year, you know, oh, like for sure, yeah. previous years where it, it's almost faded and it's hard to distinguish. But every time I looked at it this year, it was just unmistakable. And it really stood out against like kind of that whitish area of that particular, you know, band uh, that it's in. And when I saw this Hubble image and I retweeted it out. So anybody that is curious, you can just, go to our Twitter and you'll, you'll see it. Um, but yeah, it's so dark. Um, and what's interesting too, is there's a little, uh, like secondary storm developing underneath it, it looks like, and okay. it's, it's kind of a white cloud. Um, so I do want to get out like Jupiter is starting to, you know, become, you know, almost too low on the horizon to observe, uh, all that well, but I think we can still probably get another couple weeks out of it. So yeah. I'd really like to see if I can tease out this secondary storm that's going on there. Yeah. You know, I, I got to ask you something like regarding the weather. Did it, did you get rain today or last night or this morning or anything? Well, I don't think so. We were supposed okay. to, but I don't yeah. believe it came. Like I woke up and you're on the opposite side. You're actually on the, the opposite corner of the city. I'm on the, the south, south east and you're on the north, northwest. Yeah. Um, and yeah, this morning when I, I got up at six or quarter after, it said that it was showers and I looked out and it was dark, but it didn't look like it had rained. It seemed humid. I went for a walk and kind of cut my walk a little bit short because I thought, oh, I think it might rain, but it never did. It never, we never had showers here. So I don't know whether the sprinklers came on over at the airport where the, uh, where the weather station is or, or what, because that weather station seems not, not to give the weather that we're getting sometimes. So. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely is inconsistent. Yeah, for sure. Which is kind of scary because that's the airport. <laughs> but... <laughs> oh, well, we're not flying right now. <laughs> no, no, exactly. Exactly. But I do notice sometimes it's, it's off by a fair bit. So it's, it's not uncommon for it to be four or five degrees different there than here or to be reading, you know, rain there. I think it does rain more on the Western side of the city than it does on my side though, because more more often than not it will read rain and and we don't see it yeah and then oh go ahead i was just gonna say and sometimes we get rain and and uh and like for example you know uh, work at the university and then you're talking to people back there and they'll be like rain what are you talking about I'm like yeah well it's raining here <laughs> cats yeah. and dogs right yeah. you know and i can one, see the university from here yeah go ahead one good thing that maybe I'll, I'll throw out there for folks as we're talking about weather forecasts and you know trying to determine if it's a good time to observe 
Uh, and I noticed you were emailing on one of the Rask mailing lists about mm. this, but there's a website as well as an app uh, called Astrophoric. So Astro and then P-H-E-R-I-C. Mm-hmm. Um, it's outstanding. Like it's similar to the clear sky clock or chart, which, um, you know, I think a lot of amateur astronomers are familiar with where it tries to forecast the transparency, the seeing and the cloud cover. Yeah. Um, but this astrophoric, uh, you know, puts in temperatures and wind and ISS passovers, uh, gives you a little bit of the radar view of the clouds. You can look into the future. You can add multiple sites. Wait, it, wait, wait. Look into the future? Oh, yes. It, it oh, comes you're, with crystal ball. Is this, yeah, is this coming back to the whole astrology thing? Yes. It, it, yeah, <laughs> it'll tell you your horoscope. No, it won't do that. But um, it does give you an extended outlook for the uh, cloud forecast, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Helps you plan future observing sessions. I, I really like it. I just discovered this maybe oh, six to 12 months ago, and I've been using it pretty extensively. So... Yeah, it's pretty good. I, I think yeah. I'd seen it before. And then on, on another list that I'm on, that's not a RAS list, just an observing list in, in Florida of all places. Cause I, I was going to try to observe in Florida once and I was going down there for, for a while. So I thought who I'll sort of sign up for, for a local astronomy group and maybe I'll get together with them. And then we had like a hurricane come through and it was like, nah, I'm not doing any observing. So uh, they they had sent it out this week, but uh, yeah, it's it's a pretty neat site, eh? Does it have the smoke in there though? No. Well, let me just take a look here. Because um... I know I see recently, and I don't know if this is recent and whether it will go away, but I noticed that Intelidanka, who runs the uh, what's it called, the Clear Sky Chart now, or is it Clear Sky uh, Clock again? I don't it's remember. Yeah. Anyway, it's flipped back and forth a few times, and uh, I noticed that he had uh, an actual smoke prediction forecast in there now, and and it, it's really disheartening to see like cloud cover, no clouds, transparency, perfectly transparent, seeing, perfectly good for seeing, smoke cover, <laughs> it's like Terrible. brown, like yeah. your sky is going to be brown. Yeah, Astrophoric like, doesn't have a smoke okay. uh, rating, but what they do is I think they uh, work it into the transparency. So like right now, oh, it's I saying see. there's okay. like 10% cloud cover, but the transparency is cloudy. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Yeah. They're factoring it in there. Yeah. It's definitely, uh, not, uh, not so good. So I had two, uh, long Mars sessions. <laughs> well, let's hear about it. So I had one that was excellent. It was really, really good, stable conditions, but my mount lost its mind. Oh, is, is this when it started going in the wrong direction? Yeah. <laughs> <For tracking? laughs> it's like, what is happening? So, yeah, it was really weird. So when, when I've been setting it up here, and, and if people have listened to sort of my ongoing reviews, the AZ GTI. So basically all astronomy gear, when you get it, I, I think virtually everything needs to be tweaked. You need to kind of figure it out. And, and a telescope mount, well, the, the go-tos and, and the tracking mounts can be... I think about the biggest headache you, you can get into. Um, but the AC GTI is a good reputation. Um, and it, and it really is a pretty good and easy mount, mount to use. I'll say that. Um, but I, you know, I've had it on my deck and it would track for about a dozen or minutes or so, which wasn't as good as some people were reporting, but it's about all I need. So I thought, well, you know, that's fine. That's fine. I haven't done any alignment and I know you can go through and do like a North level and a two star and a three star and, some other fancy stuff to get it to track better. I thought, you know what though? 
I really just need 12 minutes of tracking so that I can like change eyepieces without being in a rush or I can, uh, you know, sit out there and kind of look at stuff and, and, or, or put it on an object and then go in. And um, if I put a low power eyepiece, probably stay in the field for half an hour or so. Um, but, you know, 12 minutes at high power, like over 100 power, um, that's pretty good. I can do some sketching or whatever. And then when we went out uh, last week, it did about uh, two or three times that. Yeah, um, it was fantastic. Yeah, it was fantastic. And I was like, what's going on? Because when I put it on my deck, I got to admit, I am leveling it in my yard because I have a little bit more time and, you know, I, I can kind of drag the tripod out during the day and then level it and whatever. So I was like, all right. Uh, maybe who knows, like maybe I just got really lucky that night or whatever. I didn't think that much of it. So then, uh, this week when we decided not to, uh, go observing, uh, drag the tripod out now before I was sitting up on my deck, but, uh, when I get up in the morning and I, and I looked out, I went, uh, Hmm, well, Mars had just moved far enough along by 3am that I was going to lose it in about 20 minutes or, or less. So I thought, well, I'll just put the tripod down. So I dragged the tripod down onto uh, my yard. I was going to say grass, but I don't have grass. I don't have much of a yard. Um, so I'm only like maybe 15 or 16 feet away from where it was set up before. And I'm just down about maybe four or five feet. Cause I'm not like a really big high deck or anything. Like virtually, I'm not even that far away. Mm-hmm. And so I uh, put the 100 millimeter up and point it at Mars and say, uh, all right, go ahead and track. And then uh, looking at I'm like, huh, it's not really tracking. Is it tracking? It seemed like it was tracking at first, like when I had a really, really low power eyepiece in. But then when I put up like 100 or so power or more, it was like, it's not tracking. And so I started fiddling around. I thought, I'll turn the tracking off. And then I turned the tracking off. I'm like, well, wait a second. It's, it's tracking in the uh, right ascension or the, or the uh, azimuth. So sort of the left, right, mm-hmm. it was, it was tracking, but in the, in the altitude, it was like uh, going in the wrong direction. And I was like, what's happening there? It's like, it's like tracking down so that it was like drifting like vertically through the field of view from the, you know, uh, the South to the North. And so when I turned the tracking off, it was going like, you know, uh, West to East kind of thing. <laughs> I was like so frustrated. Um, yeah it was really weird i found that with the tracking on it was just a little bit better than than without but but you know you're having the opposite problem because you're trying to track in a in a north south versus east to west direction which is just a little bit easier it turns out and and it wasn't moving quite as fast so i i did a sketch but i was disappointed because i had to use um my barla which is good for deep sky but not really good for for planets on a wide field eyepiece because I couldn't use my high power um, XO. So I was like, oh, well, I'll try to sort it out. Maybe if I pointed out a few, so I pointed it at like the uh, uh, Venus and I did the same thing. I had a nice long view of the uh, Orion Nebula, um, looked at a couple of stars, the same thing. Like no matter what, I, I put it on object, tell it to track it. And the same thing, tracking Zenith, but sort of give me the opposite tracking in, in altitude. And then I thought, I'll try the go-to. Uh, I never used the go-to. I've, I used it once just to confirm it actually works. And I think I showed you guys, well, the way I have it set up, you, you hit the go-to and it will point it generally, like maybe within 15 or 20 degrees of, of the object. 
the go-to points straight up, like just right to the zenith. And I'm like, well, that's weird. So that was Mars. Oh, I'll try Venus. Same thing, like pretty much, like it just shifted the position a little bit in. And I'm like, did I like somehow break the mound or what? I was really, and I was thinking, what did I do? Like, did I, did I like knock the mound or something? Then I was thinking, well, maybe it's the batteries because I've used these batteries quite a bit. But then I was thinking about what you said, that these batteries are really good. They should last a long time and then kind of just basically just fail. And I was like, well, maybe they're, they're just going to fail here. Um, what is happening exactly? This is definitely not good. So I was thinking, okay, well, I didn't just, the mount is uh, fairly robust. It's sort of two thirds steel and one third plastic. It has actually more steel than, than plastic. I thought it was more like a plastic mount with just a minimal amount of steel, but it's not. It's, it's actually very well built now. Um, regardless, I was a little bit worried about it just knocking around with my other gear in the trunk. So I had an eyepiece case that I bought that's padded. Uh, it's not a hard case. It's a soft case, but it's reasonably padded. It's meant for like photography gear, but I didn't like the way it fit my um, eyepieces. Uh, it had too much space. Perfect for a little mount like this. I can put the mount in. Um, some of the little parts I have for the mount, like the little pier and, and the holder. And I, I bought a hand paddle, which I haven't really been using yet. So it all fits in really, really nice. So I'm like, well, no, like it's in the trunk in a padded case, albeit not hard case, but you know, it's not like I just sort of threw it in the trunk and it bashed around in there while I was driving uh, on back roads and didn't really take it on back roads anyway. So I thought, well, can't be that. And um, next day I looked online and sent out an email on or message on, uh, on Clyde and Nights and said, Hey, like I got this problem. Like, is it the batteries? Did I do something else? Like what's going on? And this, this person wrote back and said, Oh no, it's just the Wi-Fi channel. I'm like really? But it's like, it's strange because I'm able to connect to it. Like typically I find with Wi-Fi, you either connect or you can't connect or if it connects, the connection is wonky. Like I would have thought that if it was Wi-Fi, it'd be more a problem of, of like deciding on the object or, or acquiring that connection. But uh, that, was, that was no problem. So I thought, well, look into changing the, the Wi-Fi channel on it, which isn't quite as obvious as I would have thought. So I kind of had to look up the instructions and maybe obvious for, for somebody who's smarter than me, but uh, you have to go in the, you know, you have to find the Wi-Fi settings, which isn't obvious and the utilities and then for settings and then Wi-Fi and then to turn an option on and then change the channel. And anyway, so I did that. So it was on channel six and I put it on channel one and, uh, you know, I thought, whew, well, we'll see if that works. So then the next night it was totally thick smoke up there. The basically the only thing I could see was Mars. Mm -hmm. That was it. And I went out and I thought, oh, do I really want to observe? And this is like three o'clock in the morning after I stayed up basically the whole night before observing, because it was a really good night the night before, even without the tracking, I, basically stayed up all night. I get up at 2.30 and I stayed up until six. And I went to bed for an hour and get up again. So that, you know, that's basically like staying up all night if you ask me. Yep. Um, and then, so the next time I'm like, do I really? And I just was like, I gotta, I gotta get this mount sorted. If I get a problem with it or I have to send it back or something, um, you know, I, I wanna start that process. And I, you know, now I have a tripod coming and an ADM adapter. So I'm really in deep to this mount. Um, so I went out and yeah, I think it was the wife, I think, cause it tracked perfectly, like better than I think as good or, or maybe even a little bit better 
anyway, within the realm of, of how it was tracking out at the uh, nature preserve that we were at. So I think it somehow must have been the Wi-Fi because that, mm. uh, that change well, in the channel. I have to confess, I, I was in the bushes that night with a <laughs> Wi-Fi jammer just to try to disrupt your session. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of weird that it would, that like the Wi-Fi connection would do that. So anyway, I think I do have to kind of take another look at the hand paddle because there are some people out there that sort of swear by using the hand paddle with it. Mm. And I think that uh, when you use the hand paddle, it, it, it disables the Wi-Fi on it. So, or it seems to anyway, because you get nothing out of the Wi-Fi and tracking that once you're using the hand paddle, it just stops. So um, it looks like uh, maybe the hand paddle might even be more accurate, but I think I have to do like a three-star alignment with it. And because I'm in my backyard, I got trees and houses and I mean, you know what it's like. Um, if I'm on my deck, I can, I can get a really good view of everything in the Eastern sky from South till just about North. I can look just south, southwest, and I can't quite get Polaris. Maybe I can get Polaris from my deck, but just barely. So whenever I try to choose the two or three stars, well, inevitably something critical is, you know, through my house, right? So mm -hmm. I can't, I can't do that. But uh, but maybe from the yard, especially once once Orion is up in the morning sky, but. Uh, Anyway, we'll we'll see how that goes. But yeah, it did seem to work a lot better. And I put uh, my XO in, which is 115 power. This time I just used the 60 because the conditions were so so poor. They were they were really really bad. Um, but you know, every once in a while I get moments of good seeing. So I tracked for an hour, and I had to move it. I think three times, um, two or That's three times. Bad. So yeah, so it was doing like more than 20 minutes. Say like if if I. I didn't really center it properly. So I would say I was averaging 20 minutes um, in the field. And that's a small field, just a 0.3, less just under one third of a degree. Um, so that's a pretty small field of view, I think anyway. So to track in that for, for uh, you know, a third of an hour is that's, that's good. I'm happy yeah. with that. Yeah, absolutely. That's really good. You know, for visual anyway, like if somebody was wanting to do astrophotography, you, you certainly would need more, more accuracy than that. But you know, for what you and I do, that's yeah. great. Yeah. And I mean, I'm not like, you can set this man up for astro imaging and go through a more elaborate alignment process. You got to turn, you got to get the EQ mod for it and then uh, put it on a little wedge and they have that uh, Skywatcher doesn't officially support that, but they do have some of that um, available and people have made some aftermarket gear for it to do it. And some people love it. They say it's the best little EQ mount. Um, but it's indirect competition with the Star Adventurer, I think. Um, you have the Star Adventurer, don't you? Yes, I do. Yep. Yeah, so that, and that's kind of what Skywatchers come back with that. Well, it's sort of in competition with, the, with, uh, with that, uh, that device. So, yeah, it's kind of a funny thing. But the AZ GTI, yeah, it's just a, just a beautiful, beautiful little mount. So I was, I was pretty happy. That was like the only real problem that I've had with it so far, other than it's a little jiggly once you get... Uh, a longer refractor that is getting closer to that uh, max weight limit of, of five, uh, five or so kilograms. So we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. So anything else on, on your horizon that you're looking to either uh, get for astronomy uh, equipment or observations in this week? 
Well, observations, um, like I'm starting to be able to see Mars, uh, like, so just with the buildings around my house, uh, as Mars rises in the east, I really haven't been able to see it early yeah. in the evening. You know, I'd have to wait till, um, you know, three in the morning, probably to really have a good view. But now at about 1030 at night, it's a it's around 30 degrees, which is, you know, that's higher than Jupiter and Saturn got this year, I think they were around 20 degrees at their apex. Yeah. Um, so it's starting to become observable for me. So the, most of my attention will be there. Yeah. Um, you know, as far as purchases go, nothing really on the horizon. I keep, I keep thinking about that Takahashi four eyepiece turret. Um, oh, I was looking at that today, strangely enough. Well, cause you and I, you know, we've talked a lot about like how much we like the grab and grow, grab and go aspect of a lightweight setup by the back door. You put and, those monocentrics in there. And, mm -hmm. Well, yeah, you know, you, you leave <laughs> that thing loaded up and attached and then you, you, know, you can quickly rotate to, you know, different eyepiece to accommodate the seeing that you have or the magnification that you want. Yeah. Um, I just think it's a great item. Ignoring the price now. Yeah, that's yeah. that's why it's not in my house yet is because you know do i really want to spend that kind of money on that attachment or do i just want to i don't know buy a nice tripod or maybe just save my money too for once that's probably not a bad idea <laughs> yeah i know i mean it is yeah that that is a nice uh nice piece of gear yeah i i feel like probably one day i'll i'll own it um yeah i'm still kind of working out my diagonal and sort of higher power eyepiece uh, line. So yeah, I would love to see you get that. And then I kind of want to see how it works, but I feel like that is, you know, that's one of those things. And I kind of feel like you're getting down to like such a sweet setup with the, uh, with the TAC uh, FS 76, just like owning the 60, which I already had um, almost bought. Like I, I bought the 60 as like the ultimate travel scope and I have traveled with it quite a bit. It just disappears into luggage. Um, and so I love it, love it, love it for that. There's nothing, I don't think there's anything out there, maybe with the exception of some of the Borgs, but, uh, the, the FS 60 is just so, uh, ultimately portable and gives the widest field of view once modified, um, as, as any telescope you can get, which, you know, in my mind is perfect because it replaces binoculars, um, and the small telescopes instead of having to take a, like a ST80, which, which weighs considerably more because I have one that I've modified, as mm -hmm. you know, and that's a much larger telescope. It's about twice, two and a half times the size anyway, as, as the FS60. You'd have to think, I'd have to think twice about some of my trips taking the, the uh, ST80 or the 80 millimeter F5. Um, but anyway, with the 100, it's just a little bit bigger. And so some nights, like the other night when I was trying to sort out the mount, I didn't grab the 100. And the other night when we were out, I was thinking your 76 was giving, I think, just as good of use as my 100 on sort of like an average night or an okay night when the planets weren't as high as we want them to be and conditions weren't as good as we wanted them to be. Um, there really isn't that much of a difference between a, a, an awesome 3-inch and an awesome 10-inch or awesome 100-millimeter or 4-inch. You know, it's it's surprising how little difference uh, there was. You really need those excellent conditions to to really see that difference. So I kind of think you you hit the sweet spot and getting getting that is really just like the the ultimate. Because I think how much is it weighs like what one pound more than the seven and then the sixty? 
Yeah, something like that. Like it's exceptionally light. Um, yeah, especially for its aperture, it's it's pretty incredible. Yeah, and I use it most of the time with the extender on it now, and I think because I'm just f five point nine without the extender, which is a little bit short for the planetary stuff, and the correction isn't quite as good without it. And deep sky, and when I travel, I just take the extender off, and it's just so so small. But I kind of feel like f seven and a half on a seventy six really hits this this sweet spot. Um, you get the cool down, you get just enough aperture, it's still light enough. Yeah, it's, that's a nice scope. Cause you could travel with that and just buy like, like I would just go into a camera store and just buy a really cheap tripod. Like I've bought lots of inexpensive tripods when I travel and, uh, and yeah, you'd have no problem. You got the hundred, man, you gotta, you gotta, like I said, right now I'm getting another tripod and a 12 pound tripod isn't isn't exactly portable and it's rare enough and expensive enough that you're not going to be wanting to buy those. Frequently. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I'm looking forward to traveling again with it because uh, that's why I bought it. It's mm. perfectly portable and I want to take it with me to some other locations, you know, further, further south really is what I want to start uh, seeing some objects, different objects on the southern horizon. Yeah. Yeah, I'd really wanted to get down into like Nebraska and that this year and had even on the map staked out a few spots in sort of uh, south uh, western Montana that that looked good and are marked as as good astronomy sites. And I think I shared those with you last autumn. I was like, yeah, you know, these would be really great to try. And no, didn't ha that happen this year because, yeah, yeah. yeah, although you can fly to the States and I feel like those places, you know, they're so remote, just, you know, and, and it it kind of sucks because they're very, very close to us here. And, uh, you know, that there's no travel over the borders until after the Halloween period. So mm -hmm. I don't think we'll be, we'll be heading down there, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be a little while. That's for sure. Yeah. But yeah, once things, uh, once the border gets open, like, I mean, I would, I would go down into those areas. I don't really think it would be, um, much of a problem even even while we're still you know once things are safe enough to open the borders and uh, travel is is again uh recommended or permitted over over the canada u.s border i would definitely go go across you know yep yeah i'm with you so that'd be good yeah so anything else to uh to add so that is all my friend that's yeah. it eh? good yeah. stuff yeah well that was fun uh, hopefully we can get some more observing in and next week we'll do our uh, objects to observe in the October sky. My class will be starting this week. Oh yeah, I should prepare for that uh, talk that I have to give. <laughs> yeah, I should line up my other presenters and I actually have like an online uh, course that I, uh, yeah, that I uh, should put some materials in uh, this week for people. But it's all a bit of an experiment. Haven't done it before and, uh, you know, I do it as a volunteer. So probably what I'll do is just kind of light it up and then put a few things in there and then uh, kind of see how people uh, take to it. So, but uh, yeah, I was surprised, you know, it filled up, uh, have uh, I think 26 people in the class. So oh, that's awesome. Uh, had to stop it there. <laughs> you know, I don't had to kind of put a, put a limit on it. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. So keep it manageable. Yeah. Yeah. So how can people stay in touch with us, Shane? Uh, you can find us on Twitter. We are at actual astronomy uh, we have an email account, uh, actualastronomy at gmail.com. And I have to apologize to one individual. <laughs> we got an email, Chris, on oh, September wow. 10th. Wow. We actually uh, got an email. 
Yeah. Uh, just asking about um, this person has ordered a 10 inch reflector. Mm. Uh, it's coming with a couple of eyepieces. Okay. Uh, it says, I understand the planets are small, so need more magnification, but mm-hmm. other than the moon, how large are other things I can see? Mm-hmm. I can't grasp how a galaxy like Andromeda can be bigger in the sky at such a vast distance uh, compared to Mars. How big in degrees are some of these Messier objects? Uh, how many moon widths is this? Uh, mm-hmm. What field of view is suitable for seeing them? Uh, so I'll reply to this email. My apologies. I, I thought I had this set up so that I'd get the emails on my phone, but obviously I failed there. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I'll reply to this email and uh, maybe okay. we can uh, also answer this on a... Maybe the next podcast or something. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so those that, those are really good questions. Yeah. Those are awesome, awesome questions. And if you can kind of, yeah, send a, send a reply and then kind of pop those those questions to me. Let's, uh, yeah, let's talk about them. Really, really appreciate that. And then I think we had some other comments on, on Astro Sketching. It would be kind of cool, like now that we have, uh, you know, I think around 60 or so followers or, or regular listeners, and then probably about double that over the course of, uh, of the month on the, on the podcast. Anyway, it seems like we're getting in around 120 or so per, uh, you know, per, per podcast individual, uh, episode that, uh, you know, uh, it'd be great if people did write in and, uh, started asking us more of those questions, but yeah, we're, yeah, it's always, always great. Always a little bit of a surprise. Oh, Hey, somebody's listening and interacting with us. That's really awesome. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Forward to it. good stuff. All right. Well, thanks, Chris. Yeah. Thanks for listening. And, uh, thanks to everybody for listening. Really appreciate it.